1: This is Bloomberg Sound
2: On. Middle-income families need help. Uh, we're coming out of COVID-19. We want to keep our economy strong.
3: When you have an infrastructure bill, there's spin spinoff of that. There's spinoffs in cities and towns all across America.
2: Bloomberg Sound On. Politics, policy, and
1: perspective from D.C.'s top names.
0: We need to incentivize the manufacturing of chips in America. I do believe the vaccine is safe and effective. But I think what government's role is is to share the science, share the facts share the benefits. Bloomberg
1: Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. One of those days in politics that you will remember. Thanks for sharing it with us on Bloomberg Radio as the Senate passes an infrastructure bill with bipartisan support and the governor of New York announces his resignation following a series of sexual harassment allegations. We'll start with the news from Andrew Cuomo today. We all thought infrastructure Passing the Senate would top the news, and it did, until this happened.
3: The best way I can help now is if I step aside and let government get back to governing. And therefore, that's what I'll do.
1: New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, soon to be former governor, speaking in a live address that caught many off guard today. You heard it as it happened on Bloomberg.
3: Kathy Hochul, my lieutenant governor, is smart and competent, this transition must be seamless. We have a lot going on. I'm very worried about the Delta variant, and so should you be. But she can come up to speed quickly, and my resignation will be
1: effective in 14 days. 14 days, Governor Cuomo acknowledging several of the allegations posed against him as he spoke. He described his sense of humor as at times insensitive, and he reiterated that he was only trying to show affection. We've heard reaction from the state level to the federal level, including from President Biden a short time ago. I respect the
4: governor's decision and uh, I I respect the decision he made.
1: We're joined now by Congressman Brian Higgins, Democrat from New York. Congressman, thank you for joining us on such a busy day. You called on the governor to resign. Did you expect it to happen today?
5: Uh, I expected it to happen. I don't. Anybody that tells you they expect it to happen today, you should be skeptical of. Mm. But given the gravity of the situation, uh, it's the best thing for New York, and it's a great thing for Kathy Hochul. She's a friend. She's an outstanding individual who has served the interests of New York State in an extraordinary way, so I couldn't be happier for her.
1: It's been an incredible evolution watching this, Congressman. I'm sure you feel the same way going back to a year ago when, the daily COVID briefings uh, became national programming for a lot of people. Andrew Cuomo was considered an ally of Joe Biden, among the very first Democratic leaders to endorse his campaign. And now this. It's, it's hard to make sense of what happened and how quickly this progressed over the course of a week. Do you like the way he handled it today?
5: Uh, I think that he should have resigned a long time ago. I think this was uh, a positioning relative to politics that makes no sense. There's no rationality to it. But the fact of the matter is multiple accusers, state investigation, a conclusion that's clear and compelling. And, uh, you know, while he his resignation statement talks about not wanting to be a distraction, it's been a distraction for a long time. That said, uh, this is a Clear break. This is a stark contrast. Kathy Hochul, as I said, is a friend. She's from Buffalo in Western New York. Uh, that is, you know, the first woman woman uh, uh, governor mm-hmm. uh, and really born and bred in Buffalo and Western New York. Grover Cleveland, who served as, as, as governor of New York State, you know, served as Buffalo mayor, but he was born in New Jersey and he died in New Jersey. Kathy Hochul is born and bred in Buffalo Western New York.
1: And that means a lot to you. When you talk about a long time ago, though, in terms of Governor Cuomo, and you wished he had resigned, you're not referring to last Tuesday, obviously, when we heard the allegations from the attorney general. This is going back to, you tell yeah.
5: me. Yeah, predating that. And this is going back to March. Uh, you know, there were multiple accusers. They all had a similar story. Uh, and uh, I think you know, the gravity of that situation in and of itself uh, disqualifies him from continuing to serve as governor of, of, of New York State. And I think that, you know, again, he, he, he has been distracted because of all of these other issues. And, you know, it also you would mention at the outset of your segment here, you know, the importance of leadership. You know, did he have leadership? During most of COVID at the federal level, people look to New York State and this governor to provide it, and it doesn't matter if you're a Republican or Democrat, people are looking for leadership, and uh, leadership is what's needed here, and I think this is what Kathy Hochul will, will will provide in a sincere, substantial, and highly effective way.
1: Well, tell me more about the lieutenant governor. I saw you tweet today a New York Times article from many years ago, about 10 years ago, about Lieutenant Governor Hochul headlined her inheritance in eagerness to serve. You mentioned she'll be the first woman to serve as governor of New York. Will that mean a change in policies for the state?
5: Uh, Look, I I think it's, it's practicality. You know, most of government is not ideological. It's commonsensical. It's solving problems for people regardless of where they stand on the political spectrum. And that's the best kind of representation you should have. I know Kathy Hochul. She's motivated by big challenges, and she's inspired by good ideas and good people. And that is a good basis from which to start uh, this 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 beginning, this inflection point, uh, this game-changing moment, not only for the people of New York State, uh, but also Western New York and, and the nation. And we need good leaders. We need good leaders to look to that can provide a vision, but also commit themselves to turning that vision into something real, turning it into something tangible. And I think that's where this stark contrast starts.
1: You've referred to Lieutenant Governor Hochul as a friend a couple of times uh, now, Congressman. Have you been talking with her throughout this process, and do you wish she spoke up? Uh, many have pointed out the fact that she's been relatively quiet these past weeks.
5: Yeah, you know what? She's an impossible, She's in an impossible situation the role of lieutenant governor is to do two things, be loyal and to prepare yourself in the event that there is a change and you become governor. I couldn't do it. You couldn't do it. And, you know, she'll, she'll always be criticized. Here's what I know. When you look at a politician outside of the spotlight of their fan, outside of the spotlight of, of the political life that they lead, they're with their mother, their father, their brothers, their sister, their kids, their husband, you get a sense as to the character of somebody. I've, I've seen that firsthand for 40 years. She is a good person. Uh, she is kind. She's compassionate. But let me tell you, do not ever mistake in kindness for weakness because you will never think she, she's kind again. And so I just, it, you know, it's, it's, it's the totality of the person. You know, politicians are just people. We are all broken on different days and on different days. And in different ways in different days. And, and I, I just think that she is would be a refreshing uh, contrast uh, to what we've had uh, in the governor's office, at least over the last several months. Mm-hmm. And I think that's good for the people of Western New York. I think it's good for the people of all of New York. And I think it's good for the nation.
1: Should there be an event 14 days from now? What's this going to be like? How does the Democratic Party in New York kind of support this transition to move beyond a scandal?
5: I don't know. And I I think that, you know, that will, you know, the details of that will come out in the next couple of days, but I think it should be a celebration. It should be a celebration, not of what we have gone through, but about what it is we are about to experience. And I am so confident. I am so uh, excited about Kathy Hochul and the position that she will hold. Uh, for New Yorkers, and I think people will be very impressed. She's going to be governor for the next 10 months. Nobody knows what's going to happen during the context of a primary election, a general election, but here's what people will get to know. They will get to know the person, the friend, the colleague that I have, you know, known for 40 years, and they will be impressed. And she is going to be the governor for the next 10 months, but she's just viable as anybody and more than most relative to be being elected governor as well. And that's what her plan is. And I support her uh, and I'm proud of her. And uh, I look forward to better days. We all better days.
1: do you support an impeachment trial, an impeachment of Andrew Cuomo to keep him from running for office again?
5: Uh, look, I, I think that's, you know, that's politics. Here's the bottom line. What, what is an impeachment inquiry and impeachment process designed to do it's designed to remove somebody from office who otherwise would not you know acknowledge they should be removed from office It was a good step today that the governor took and we need to move on i think the quicker the, the faster that we can get away from this horrible nightmare the better and I think, you know, right beyond uh, the storm clouds is, is, our, is a silver lining. And
1: Congressman Brian Higgins, Democrat from New York. Congressman, thank you uh, for joining us today to talk about a difficult matter. Happy to, happy to join you. Thank you. More today from Governor Cuomo.
3: I take full responsibility for my actions. I have been too familiar with people. My sense of humor can be insensitive and off-putting. I do hug and kiss people casually, women and men. I have done it all
1: my life. Coming up on Bloomberg Sound On, we assemble the panel. Bloomberg Politics contributors Jeannie Sheehan Zeno, and Rick Davis on the resignation. They're coming in next and more on the president's response today at the White House. Stay here. I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. And in 14 days, New York
6: will have a new governor. Hi, I'm Kathy Hochul. All my life, I've considered public service to be a privilege. As a young person, I was influenced by President Kennedy, was inspired by Martin Luther King, and always work for Democratic leaders.
1: I know Kathy Hochul will be a Democratic leader in New York after Governor Cuomo announced his resignation today. We want to hear from the panel on all this. Bloomberg Politics contributors Jeannie, she and Zeno, and Rick Davis are here. Jeannie, as a New Yorker, we talked about this a week ago today when the attorney general spoke. Do you feel the governor did this the right way, and do you have confidence in his replacement?
6: I have to tell you, um, I was stunned that he made he resigned today, Uh, like so many of us I was watching the Senate vote and it was just at that time that his attorney came out and spoke and none of us realized that the governor was going to come out after that obviously not a press conference they didn't take questions and resign so it was stunning to in that respect it was also stunning because so many of us who have followed him for so long know that he is a fighter and i thought he would hang on a bit longer he seemed to know that the writing was on the wall his statement today though was very defiant I did not feel like he took responsibility for the allegations against him. And I do have confidence in Kathy Hochul. That said, she's been lieutenant governor for a long time, and her name recognition is very low. She's described herself as an independent Democrat, a real moderate. So... 10 months she has and there's going to be a heavy primary battle here in new york to see who's going to be running in 2022 so she's got a lot of work to do i'd also add she's a really phenomenal fundraiser so people in new york just don't know her as well as you would think they would since she's been lieutenant governor for so long
1: rick politicians tend not to resign unless there's no other option was this cuomo's best alternative to impeachment
2: Yes, he saw that screen door coming to hit him in the butt, and he ran. Um, look, he's had a really bad week. Melissa DeRosa, his top aide, resigned. The press conference this morning with you know his lawyer, Rita Glavin, trying to defend him was a disaster. And I think at this stage, he had he had just boxed himself in, and he was going to get impeached. There's probably no doubt about that from the reports that we've all been getting. And so uh, it was just a matter of time, and I think he decided to put it on his own own clock, which was probably the best decision he's made in quite some time.
1: I want to ask you both about President Biden's response today. A week ago today, he called for Andrew Cuomo to resign, and that turned heads. Today, his first few words were kind of typical, expected. His initial response, he played it free a minute ago.
4: I respect the governor's
1: decision, and uh, I, I respect the decision he made. Simple as that. After that, though, as more questions were asked, he sounded less rehearsed. A question like this one from Ed O'Keefe, who covers the White House for CBS.
4: How would you assess his 10 and a half years as governor of the state? In terms of his personal behavior or what he's done as a governor? What he's done as a governor? thought he's done a hell of a job. thought he's
1: done a hell of a job. He went on to talk about what a hell of a job that Andrew Cuomo did. Of course, we remember the last doing a hell of a job that a president said this cascaded into a back and forth with reporters. CNN's correspondent pushed for more, and it, it led to quite an exchange. I want to let this breathe.
0: Can you really say that he has done, quote, hell of a job, If he's accused of sexually harassing no, women Look, you asked two different questions.
4: Job? I asked the substantive, should he remain as governor is one question. And women should be believed when they make accusations that are able to, on the face of them, make sense and investigate it. They're investigated, and the judgment was made that what they said was correct. That's one thing. The question is, did he do a good job on in infrastructure? That was the question. He did. The question was, how did he do as a governor? No, the question was, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, how was he as a governor general? Well, outside the governor general, behavior, behavior, obviously. Outside of his personal behavior. Outside of his personal behavior.
1: Okay. But can
2: you separate the two? Since no, well, I'm not. I was reason. asked a
1: specific question. Okay, so now we're going to be hearing about this, Jeannie, I assume, for the next couple of weeks while we... Figure out what happens with infrastructure. Why even go there if you're the president? Maybe, Rick, you can take a swing at that.
2: Oh, that was an easy one, Jeannie. I mean, because he was told not to go there. That's why. Do you I think? Mean, the did they opening... have that conversation? Absolutely. Beforehand? I mean, I've been in that position. You hand him the card and it says, read this if asked a question about the governor of New York. And he did. And he, and he went back and reread exactly the same thing. Yeah. And then he gets caught, you know, wandering down the, the contemplation lane. And that's a disaster. It's always a train wreck at the end of that lane.
1: That's why we have a press office, though, a communications director and so forth. What was that conversation like, do you think, before he went out to speak about a completely different topic?
2: Yeah, this is this was the problem because they were trying to contain the damage done in the news cycle by Cuomo doing this on the day that he won his biggest victory in Congress so far, a bipartisan infrastructure bill. That's what they wanted in the news tomorrow morning. And at the end of the day. He stepped on his own news story by actually taking a question that he should have just said, you know what, I've already commented about the governor of New York and that's all I have to say today on that topic. That's all he had to say absolutely and and they would have moved right along and the the i guarantee if you pan the faces of the communications team standing in the room when he was doing this you saw some pretty wild reactions when he decided to take that question about what what's the difference between being a governor and you know a uh somebody who's assaulted women i mean there is no difference that's all he had to say there
1: you are from rick davis uh he has advised politicians for many years, to avoid situations like that. Rick, stay here. We'll bring Jeannie back as well. You are listening to Bloomberg Sound On. We're going to turn to infrastructure. We'll get there eventually. Congressman Josh Gottheimer, Democrat from New Jersey, will be with us to talk about salt, tax deductions, state and local taxes. And we'll follow the bouncing ball on infrastructure next. Stay here. I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg. As we follow the bouncing ball on infrastructure in the Senate, the House is waiting for that bill, along with the reconciliation package that Speaker Nancy Pelosi says must come first, and with it, a debate over the federal deduction for state and local taxes, or SALT, as it's called. We're joined by Congressman Josh Gottheimer, Democrat from New Jersey. Congressman, thanks for being with us. Why are these deductions important? Why expand them?
7: Well, if you live in Jersey, like I do in northern New Jersey, it's incredibly expensive, and I'm trying to do everything possible with my colleagues to make things more affordable. And one of the ways we've been focused on is reinstating the state local tax deduction, or we call SALT, uh, back to where it was before 2017 when some of our red state friends decided to gut it and, uh, in effect, raise taxes for a majority of people in my district. You know, this is a real impact uh, in places where property taxes are higher the median property tax in Bergen County, which is one of the areas I represent, is over $15,000. So this really hits a firefighter and a teacher. Uh, you know, they can earn nearly $200,000. So you might imagine that uh, that reinstating the deduction fully instead of capping out $10,000 would uh, make their life more affordable and hopefully stay in Jersey and not and not leave like we're facing in the Northeast. So many people leaving to other states.
1: Well, you know, progressive Democrats call this a gift to the wealthy. You're pointing out families, firefighters, teachers. Are they just wrong about that?
7: Yeah, you know, it's just not not in Jersey, right? I mean, uh, you know, the Star-Ledger, which is a big paper in Jersey, recently reported that if we reinstated salt, nearly a third of our residents, you know, the 3 million people in Jersey would get a tax cut, and 80% of them earn less than $216,000. Um, it gives you a sense of, as uh, like I said, that's that's really where a cop and a teacher are here in Jersey and uh, and in the tri-state area. So this is really not just something that affects uh, the wealth to do, but but hardworking middle-class families. So you, you don't want everyone to move out to Florida because that has a direct impact, of course, on on making sure that we can offer those phenomenal schools and programs that we have here in Jersey.
1: Congressman, we saw uh, the blueprint, if I can use that term, of the reconciliation package a lot of blanks to fill in here, but the salt deduction is included, right? How is this being handled in the initial phase of this legislation, and where would you like to see it end up?
7: Well, as you rightly pointed out, right now we just have a very high-level uh, outline. It just mentioned salt, but didn't talk about the levels. Of it didn't talk about the levels of reinstatement, or uh, um, you know, uh, if there's any means testing involved. And I've said pretty clearly that. It's going to be difficult for me to support any reconciliation package uh, that doesn't, if it, if it changes the tax code, that doesn't uh, reinstate salt fully. So that's where I've come out on that. I say uh, no salt, no dice, and, and uh, I'm going to stick to that every step of the way here.
1: I saw that uh, right on the terminal. As a matter of fact, there's a story about you. It says no salt, no dice. That means you would vote against everything else in that plan if this portion doesn't come together.
7: Well, you know, we, we haven't seen uh, everything yet. The legislation is not written. In fact, as you pointed out before, we've only seen some bullets of, of what's in there. But you know, I'm concerned overall about the tax impact on my district, you know, the, you know, given how expensive things are here and where our tax levels are, which I think should come down. Um, you know, raising taxes uh, on the families in my district is not uh, something at all that we can afford here. Uh, and so, no matter what we do, I'm going to look at it—the totality of impact on the fifth district of Jersey and Northern Jersey here—and uh, SALT has got to be part of that equation, no matter what. And and we'll look at the programs and overall uh, uh, proposed expenditures and decide if it's what's best for for our community. You know, I'm I'm worried overall about the level of spending that's been proposed. It's uh, it's a bit aggressive, and and I want to make sure, given or uh, threats of inflation and, and the levels that we've spent over the last year, you want to really make sure those, uh, those programs are targeted. I mean, a lot of them are pretty important, but we want to make sure the expenditure is down, and, and I worry a lot about inflation these days.
1: We're talking with New Jersey Congressman Josh Gottheimer, who is the Democratic co-chair of the Problem Solvers Caucus. That gives you some unique perspective here, Congressman, and I wonder... If you like the way this is rolling out in general, is Speaker Pelosi doing the right thing by calling for the reconciliation plan before voting on the bipartisan plan?
7: Well, you know, I've said and I, you know, stick by this position that I I think we really should vote on this bipartisan infrastructure package, which is really a historic uh, package that the Senate passed today with Democrats and Republicans, um, you know, which is what we need to govern in this country. With civility and good debate, and and a good bipartisan package, which the president and the White House have supported, the White House has made clear that they want this to uh, have a standalone vote. Um, I feel strongly about that as well. That we should make sure that we uh, we get this immediately before uh, before the Congress and the House. Now that it's out of the Senate, and you got to understand the benefits here for the country. You're talking about roads, bridges, rail, water infrastructure, broadband. Um, All the things that our country is desperate for, you know, in in Jersey, we've got the third worst roads in the country, worst on-time transit, a third of our bridges are considered unsafe. The gateway tunnel between New York and New Jersey, the train tunnel, needs to be built. This package, which is bipartisan, um, and that I'm very proud to have worked on as co-chair of the Problem Solvers Caucus, this is going to get done. We should just bring it for a vote. We shouldn't delay it. We should get the two million jobs uh, that it's going to create a year going. Those are good-paying jobs. We should get them moving and, and really get this building done, get some shovels in the ground. We shouldn't wait or delay until November like some of my colleagues have proposed.
1: It looks like that could happen, though. So let's say we're at the end of September, beginning of October. Congressman, will the Problem Solvers Caucus, the 28Ds and 28Rs, vote as a block on infrastructure and reconciliation?
7: I, I think whats what we've said pretty clearly is we support this bipartisan infrastructure plan. Um, You're going to have a lot of Republicans in the House, including many in the Problem Solvers Caucus, back uh, that legislation, the bipartisan infrastructure legislation when it comes to the floor. I think many of us are are concerned about the resolution, which is the first part of reconciliation, um, and want more specifics on that, and want to know that we're going to vote on on infrastructure first and get that done. Um,
1: Have you told the speaker that, and did you get a reply?
7: Well, we wrote her, a group of us wrote her a letter asking for us to vote on infrastructure right away um, and, and raising concerns and asking for more specifics on budget resolution. Um, I haven't heard back yet. We just sent her a letter uh, early this morning. Uh, but, I'll, but I'll tell you this. What's very important is, is that people should realize what kind of accomplishment the Senate got done today. And, uh, um, again, the group of us have been working on this for months. It's great for the country. It's great for Jersey. And, uh, People should recognize that we can govern and come together and, and get things done and, and things like that are historic like this. And so whether you're talking about water infrastructure or, or transit or yeah. uh, the roads and bridges, this is a big deal.
1: Congressman Josh Gottheimer, Democrat from New Jersey, thanks for your time today. We'd love to talk to you when we get closer to those votes.
7: Love to. Thanks so much for having me.
1: Fun sound on. We'll turn this over. To the panel, Bloomberg Politics Contributors Shi Sheehan, Zeno, and Rick Davis come back as we talk infrastructure on the day it passed the Senate. Reconciliation, too. It's all ahead. And we'll check the markets. I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. So is it infrastructure week yet? It did pass the Senate today. But well, you might think by all the news coverage and the tone today in Washington that, well, this thing was done. It's been a long and winding road, but we have persisted and now we have arrived. There were many logs in our path, detours along the way, but the American people will now see the most robust injection of funds into infrastructure in decades. Chuck Schumer earlier today but we're barely halfway there. The House has yet to weigh in. And as we were just reminded in talking with Congressman Gottheimer, members in the House have some of their own ideas about the way this should work. And they may not agree with what has been negotiated in the Senate. Joining us to finally talk about passage, at least, is Rick and Jeannie, the panel, Bloomberg Politics contributors. Jeannie, Sheehan and Zeno is back. Rick Davis is here as well what did it feel like genie when you heard this today
6: on this vote the a's are 69 the nays are 30 the bill as amended is passed
1: are you thinking democrats got it done or are you thinking now the hard part begins
0: i was thinking good for them for getting it done with 19 republicans we talked yesterday perhaps 18 maybe 20 they got 19 right in the middle and it is good for them but there's still to your point is a long way to go. You know, we keep talking infrastructure week summer. We're really now talking infrastructure fall and hopefully not winter. That's at the point we're at when Joe Biden gets this bill to sign, if he does, we could well be in late fall or early winter. So that tells you there's still a long way to go that said They they have a right to celebrate this important milestone, but it is not a bill that the president can sign at this point.
1: Rick, you heard my conversation with Congressman Josh Gottheimer. That's a Democrat from New Jersey. This is a progressive lawmaker, I think we can say, maybe not a member of the squad, but this should be a a friendly uh, point of view for this particular plan, right? We've been talking about it for months. Nancy Pelosi says we finally have A blueprint here, Chuck Schumer released it yesterday, reconciliation, and he is threatening to vote against this if he doesn't get the tax deductions we were just talking about. How much of a problem will Democrats have with Democrats in the House?
2: Well, I think you point out the one key feature. It's only about Democrats, right? I mean, this is completely on the backs of the Democratic Party in the House and Senate. And I think depending upon how big an overreach you get in the United States Senate, which seems to be a rally for spending and taxes right now, uh, going on right now in the United States Senate, if it comes over the way it is, uh, you could have a backlash. Um, you're right. Uh, Gottheimer isn't a, a, a progressive in the, in the sense of AOC and the squad. Uh, and he's got a lot of issues with his own district, as he mentioned to you on your show. And one of those is the SALT uh tax deduction and Mm -hmm. he wants it back and he's going to fight hard for it because ahead of all these other things that's money in the pockets of his constituents and he can't let that slip through a a 4.2 trillion dollar spending bill and he can't get the salt thing fixed Uh, it's going to be very hard for him to vote for this bill when it gets back and there are only three democrats that if they bail uh could stop this reconciliation And
1: really, it gives you just a good example with the salt component and Gottheimer, how many of these uh, could happen. Jeannie, uh, he's certainly not. Gottheimer is not a member of the squad. In fact, we heard from Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez on that salt provision, said it was a gift to billionaires. So this sounds like we're about to have a little brawl in the house.
0: We are. And that's I'm so glad you raised that because that's one of the things that we keep hearing For people who don't live in these high-tax states like New Jersey, like New York, where what happened with the salt has really had an impact on the middle class, it does look like a tax break for billionaires. And certainly from Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, she lives in New York, but she lives in a district where the impact isn't as stringent as it is elsewhere. But for people in other areas, this has a big impact. As the congressman was saying, the impact is on teachers, it's on firemen and firewomen, it's on people who are in the middle class because the property taxes are so very high. And so you're going to see members of the New York, New Jersey and other delegations say what he said, which is that, you know, no salt, no deal. And it's not just going to be about salt. We're going to see people from around the country come in and say what's important to their constituents that they will hold out for. And that's where that three that you're talking about really matters. Mm -hmm. You get three of those Democrats to say, no, you're not serving my district. And this is a done deal. So Nancy Pelosi, the leadership and the Democratic side in the House have their work cut out for them to keep this huge caucus together.
1: Speaking of the squad, we heard from. Senator Mitch McConnell today, you'll hear what I mean. The policies they want to put behind
4: this budget resolution read like somebody walked across the rotunda to the House and handed the squad a pen and piece of paper.
1: How's Mitch McConnell going to do in the coming weeks here, Rick Davis? He was actually pretty friendly with the bipartisan infrastructure plan, certainly through all the procedural hurdles. This is going to be a very different matter. Just pin it to the squad.
2: It, it, it already is. Um, and you're right. Uh, the major- the minority leader and most of his leadership were very supportive of the bipartisan infrastructure bill that just passed today. And they are going at it tonight on a voter Rama on this budget. I mean, when you look at the press releases that are flying out of the Republican caucus in the United States Senate, you'd think this was Armageddon occurring in the Senate tonight. And, uh, And it's everything. It's the Green New Deal. It's the squad. It's the tax increases. It's unleashing IRS agents on unsuspecting and good law-abiding Americans. I mean, it is full tilt because there's not a single Republican who's exposed for a vote on this bill. And so the Republicans in Congress are just going to have a field day with this.
1: But Jeannie, I keep hearing that, what, 86 percent of Americans support what is in reconciliation. Is this going to be difficult for Democrats to sell at home?
0: Uh, You know, people do like and and we do need infrastructure and we need all of the things that they're talking about, from education to to support for working parents to health care. You know, you name it, certainly climate, as we all talk about this U.N. report that came out the other day. But you still have a sizable number of Americans who want there to be an in investment in these things that doesn't then raise the deficit as much as this may raise the deficit. So there is going to be a big fight on that, and Republicans are banking on the fact that supporting the you know bipartisan bill, but saying no to a spending increase at this level of a 3.5 trillion is going to do well for them in these very moderate purple districts. And they are banking on that. And they may have a case that they can take to the bank as they look towards 2022. Certainly, that's what Mitch McConnell is hoping for. They want to say they're supporting infrastructure investment, but they also want to make the case that they are not spending at these amounts that will put the country in enormous debt, as we're talking about potentially with the $3.5 trillion. So a huge fight on that
1: front ahead. What's going to happen to the debt limit here? We know that it's not in the reconciliation blueprint that was revealed yesterday. And of course, it was full of holes, a lot of blanks here, but there was no mention of raising the debt ceiling. Democrats essentially calling McConnell's bluff on this. Rick, will, will Republicans vote to raise the debt ceiling come fall when the country is at risk of defaulting?
2: You know, everything's a trade, uh, and I don't think that the debt ceiling is immune to that. Uh, I think that Mitch McConnell has been very clear uh, that he wants the Democrats to put it on the table and, and deal with it. Uh, they've got the House, the Senate, and the White House. They should yeah. be able to put a proposal on the table, and he's going to want something for every single Republican vote that goes for that. And so that's why they want it outside the uh, the reconciliation package, so that they can— They can create a trade. Uh, So we'll see. Uh, Right now, all eyes are on the reconciliation debate and and Mm -hmm. they'll vote on that and get out of town. And then the real arguments start on uh, on on this uh, this skyrocketing debt ceiling.
1: So what would you trade, Jeannie, as a Democrat to get Republicans to get Mitch McConnell to lift the debt ceiling?
0: That's a very hard call, and I think it depends on which Democrats you're talking to. The answer would be very different if you're talking to, you know, a Senator Joe Manchin versus if you're talking to, you know, a you know, somebody from a state where what they're talking about, say, Senator Christian Gillibrand or somebody else. Those are very different answers. But let's not forget the CBO is saying that the government can run out of cash by October or November without this increase or the suspension of the debt limit. That is a big threat looming over all of Congress, and this is what leads to this feeling amongst Americans, at least many of them, of irresponsibility on the part of Congress. And this is something that both Democrats and, and Republicans have got to watch out for. So this is a very hard call, I think, on all sides.
1: Well, there are a lot of hard calls coming here. Hey, Rick, we only have a minute left. How late are they going to go in the Senate tonight? Does this go to breakfast tomorrow?
2: Oh yeah, they're gonna have some fun tonight. I You've mean, these Votoramas these... go forever, and uh, and they'll they'll be eating breakfast in the chamber.
1: <laughs> so it's time to bring in the cots. I heard somebody was uh, was
2: spotted bringing big uh, boxes of takeout food in. So that that's a pretty good sign, right? That's a good sign. Get out the mattresses. That's the, this is going to be a classic tonight. Just don't go to the mattresses. That's different.
1: Rick Davis, thank you as ever. Jeannie, she, and Zeno are Bloomberg Politics contributors helping us make sense of the madness here inside the bubble. I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg Sound On. Glad you spent some time with us today. We'll do it again right here, same time tomorrow. We'll check traffic in the markets next. This is Bloomberg.
2: Top Two is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy.
1: The Hartford team can provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid- to large-sized companies like yours to help manage risk, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more.
2: Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com.